elevate your life with this episode of Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com. Today's episode is coming up next. So today I am so blessed and happy to have Melissa Clayton joining us. Melissa is the CEO and founder of Tiny Tags, which is an online jewelry store designing and creating fine personalized jewelry exclusively for mothers. So I'm really excited to have Melissa joining us because she's going to share her journey to the top, as well as give you some tips on how to create a jewelry brand from scratch. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So, so thrilled to have you. So can you tell the audience how you even got started as a jewelry brand founder? Sure. Really, really small and slow. So I think (laughs) I love sharing because I feel that so many of the stories that I read and obviously the the stories that are on a lot of podcasts um, and that you read in magazines are the, you know, the people that start a company day one. And then three years later, they sell it for 50 million. Um, and <laughs> I, there's so much in between that. And I love sharing that because that's been my journey. I started um, Tiny Tags when I was 35, which sometimes, you know, it was funny. I was talking to another entrepreneur the other day and I'm like, where's the 50 over 50 group? Because, you know, I just turned 50, you know, there's so much of the 30 under 30. And I think me, you know, it's always been a journey. It's not this destination to grow it and sell it. Um, So I started when I was 35, 36, and I had been an accountant, a CPA prior, Um, never thought I would leave corporate America. And but then I had my second child, my first child, then my second child, then my third. And, you know, my husband would have it would have traded places, but we happened to have moved for his job. So mm-hmm. I wind up staying home, but I knew that I was um, going to find something on my own. I definitely think I have the entrepreneur. It's in my blood. My dad was an entrepreneur. And I just was always thinking, you know, what sort of business would I start? But I never thought it would be jewelry. And um, so I basically started really small. I had my first son and I really wanted something to wear his name on it. And this is like before the internet is what it was today. I really couldn't find anything. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to start make my own. You know, I had seen some hand stamping around. And so I found a couple of websites that had jewelry supplies, got stuff shipped to me, tried couldn't figure it out and threw it all in the closet. And then fast forward five months later, I took a plane ride and started chatting next to the woman next to me. And I love sharing this story because I think that the, the lesson in this is everyone knows something that you don't. Mm. And I started chatting with her and she was in jewelry design school, like legit jewelry, like going to school for it. And I didn't even know they had schools for jewelry designers. Wow. I learned that today. <laughs> Like down in like RISD in Rhode Island, I think. And then um, there's a North Bennett school outside of Boston, actually. So um, so she gave me her business card. She worked, we were living in California at the time, and she was working at a jewelry supply store in San Francisco. And she gave me a card, and I went to see her, and she kind of taught me how to do it all. And that's how it really started. And I absolutely can tell you, if I did not sit next to her, I would not have started. Um, 
<laughs> that's pretty amazing. But anyway, so, and then I did it really small for many, many years. You know, at the time, if I could make a hundred bucks a week, I was psyched. Um, and I can still remember saying to my husband, could you imagine if I could make 200 bucks a day, like how much that would help our lives? Um, and it was really just a slow go. And here you are today. And why do you keep going? So the, the, the journey in tiny tags, you know, when I, for the first six, seven years, it was, you know, I, the mom, I would work at nights, weekends, the kids napped, you know, I wouldn't clean the house. I would figure out like how to make jewelry and how to sell it, you know, and I would email it to my friends and everything was done by email then. And I spent $5,000 for a guy to build a website that had four products on it. Like there was no Shopify. There was none of these like, you know, drag and drop website builders. Um, and it was really like word of mouth, you know, answering emails, everything was done through email and checks, you know, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And um, then when we moved back to the Boston area, that's when I knew the kids were now all in you know, preschool and kindergarten. And I knew I kind of wanted to raise the bar. And I knew I really wanted to do more forever pieces and more fine jewelry. And that's when we started finding manufacturers here in Mass and Rhode Island. Um, and we have amazing business partners that are like 45 minutes away from where our office is that create all our fine jewelry. Um, but as far as like our mission and like the deep why of all this, it really was an evolution. I was always wanting to connect with other women and other moms and talk about the journey of motherhood. And those were the stories and the, and the customers that I was always gravitating towards. Like the mom that would call me up, you know, just had a baby, was so excited and her and I chit chatting or the grandma calling me up and, you know, they just had another grandchild. Um, and it was really at that time, I had on my gift guide, I had gifts for moms, gifts for dads, for brides, graduates, and my head was spinning because I was trying to be everything to everybody. Mm. And I listened to a book, Brand Warfare, and it was like light bulbs going off. And it was at that time, I went home and I deleted everything off the website that didn't have to do with moms. That is when the, the business became so much more my heart and soul. Um, you know, I grew up with my dad. My mom did her best. She's passed away a few months after my oldest was born. So like 16 years ago, I think so. I had sort of this like weird view of motherhood, you know, to be really honest. And mm -hmm. I think tiny tags was a way for me to connect with moms. You know, I think I wasn't sure what kind of mother I was going to be because my role models were a little bit off. And it really filled this void I think I had in my heart. Um, and that's when we just hundred percent focused on moms, you know, moms in waiting also we love, I mean, there's so many moms that are trying to, you know, struggling with infertility. You know, we call them moms in waiting. Um, so it's, it's not just moms, but it's just that, that connection that women have with one another. And that's sort of what, um, you know, feeds my soul. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, you know, I love that you said, like, really, when you niched down and connected to your purpose, like your brand took off. And I think that that's such a pivotal moment for so many women, so many people in general who are starting and launching successful brands and businesses. Um, and I wish that the business could just survive on that. But we also know that in addition to that kind of fuel, the, the business has to make money. And so what hurdles did you overcome once you kind of realized that, all right, this is my thing. And this also has to support me. <laughs> what was that journey like? Um, yeah, so it's, well, it really became real when my husband quit his job. So I convinced him to quit his job and join Tiny Tags five years mm -hmm. ago. 
And that's when sort of this became real because our health insurance, everything. And that was the hard part for me because that's when it became, it felt like a business. And now the bottom line mattered. Now how much we pay for health insurance mattered and what we charged customers mattered, you know? And for me, I think I've been very focused on the quality of our product. Um, Everything is in the USA, except there are some of our gemstones come from um, Thailand. And the quality of our product is amazing and i obviously i'm a little biased but it's not um you know it's a very it there's so much labor if people have not gone to a, a jewelry factory um there is 14 people touch every single product and we're not building we're not making a product that is like a flash in the pan and that you wear for a day or two or a week and then you kind of you know pick something else up we are making this forever piece and getting comfortable with charging the price that we can run a business um and and that has been the hardest part, you know, when we, when I have to say to someone like, I'm sorry that I cannot, your husband wrote the wrong birthday on the back. I can't just remake that at no cost to you. as much as I want to, I have an obligation to my employees that we stay in business. Yeah. And like that wasn't our fault. So you ha- I mean, I usually will try to give them a couple dollars discount, but getting comfortable charging and charging friends and family, you know, I used to give everybody everything for free because I felt bad. And mm. I got to the point, I was like, you know what? I would never ask another friend who has a small business for a discount because I know what goes into it. Like, you know, as a, as a, Another female to a female, I never, like my neighbor was, she's an HR consultant. She goes, I'll give you a deal. I'm like, don't give me a deal. Like your service is worth something and I want to respect what you've built and I want to pay the price. Um, So getting comfortable with charging people is a thing I think a lot of women, um, you know, have to overcome and get comfortable saying like, this is what I'm worth. Yes. And that, and we could go on a whole podcast, like literally just on that topic of like owning your worth, being clear with your numbers, being firm in charging. And so I want to come back to that. But before I come back to that topic, can you just brag on your brand? Because you have created an amazing business. And I would love to know from your perspective as a CEO, as the founder, what has been your greatest win thus far? Um, the greatest win... Two really, and I hate to make them tied to celebrities, but they, I, I am, they do kind of have these moments. Um, one is when Meryl Streep wore tiny tags, and I, that was such a moment because all the doubt that we were something that people cared about, um, and that was our jewelry good enough, and all of that, and that was old, just fashion hustle that she wore. That she was a speaker in Massachusetts at the Mass Conference for Women, and I hounded the the, the people that ran it, and I said, "What are you going to give Meryl Streep? I'm going to make her this gorgeous 14 karat gold necklace with her kids' names on it. She's got four kids. She'll love it." And I kind of hand and hawed, and I the day of the event, I was there. We had a table, and I made it sure it got in the right person's hands. And then she put it on, and she wore it for multiple press engagements, photo shoots. And it was like, it kind of was validation to me that what we did mattered, and that she wasn't wearing us because we have a store on Fifth Avenue, right? She was wearing us because she's a mom of four kids. Mm. And it meant something to her to have her four adult kids' names on a necklace close to her heart because she probably misses them. So that was a pivotal moment. And then we did um, the Mother of the Year Award with uh, the American Cancer Society. And it was at the St. Regis in New York City. And Hoda Kapi was getting a Mother of the Year Award, as was, I forget, this other woman. Um, And 
up at the stage in the St. Regis up in the, the top floor. It was gorgeous. And it was all these sort of, you know, you know, society women, it felt like. And at the podium where she was getting the award was a Tiffany's frame. And then the t- the 14 karat gold tiny tags laid out as well. And I was like, oh my God, we're like next to a Tiffany's frame as <laughs> part of the award and the gift that Hoda's getting. And that okay. just really felt like, wow, um, that made me feel like we made it. But we're still like, that's the thing, you know, we're still grinding and we're still hustling and I'm still hitting up editors and influencers. Hey, you know, this is who we are. So that only ever goes away, you know? Yeah. Um, Every brand is always fear that someone bigger and better is going to come along. Um, and I think our biggest for me now is that we stay true to our brand because it's, you know, even my husband, you know, why don't we do something for brides and graduates? And I'm like, no, because that's not who we are. Like we want to talk about children and motherhood and women's connection that we have with one another. And I love brides and I love graduates, but it's not who I want our brand to be. Yes. I love that. That is such another huge point, which is staying true to your mission and your vision for the business. Um, I, I want to talk to those audience members who are listening and who are thinking like, geez, I wish I could do that. Like how the heck did she go from being a CPA to launching this successful brand that is now like worn by celebrities and has grown and has a, has a building in New York city. And, you know, I want to do that too. And so if you were talking to those folks and kind of giving them a guidebook of how you rose to success, what would be some of the tips that you would give them so that they can successfully create their thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one for me was always trying to find a mentor. I have hit up so many CEOs um, on social, you know, I'll just DM them through Instagram. A lot of them don't have big followings, so they might get back to you. And sometimes they've given me 15 minutes of their time, and sometimes they've given me more. Um, I read every business book I can get my hand on because I don't think you can ever really learn too much personally. And Mm -hmm. I get these little nuggets and I listen to tons of podcasts um, and I talk to people. And I also, I mean, this is a very practical thing, but finding like the associate, whatever field you're in, finding the trade association that's there to support you and subscribe to their newsletters. You know, like finding, I used to pay, um, I didn't realize it, but I was buying all our chains from a middleman, you know, and then now that I get that magazine, we finally are buying our chains from the actual source of the the company that makes them down in, Mass- in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Um, mm-hmm. So little things like that. They have trade shows where you get so much knowledge and you meet so many people. So I think that was a really practical thing is joining the trade association with any field you're in. Um, and then I think like joining, you know, there's so many amazing networking groups that, that were not there when I was starting out 15 years ago, whether it's like Hey Mamas or the Female Founder Collective. Um, there's so much information available and in finding those networks and talk to people and go to the events. And it's okay to say like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and just trying to talk to people and learn. I love that. You know, another piece that, and I love that you touched on the manufacturing part, because I think that that's going to be huge for people if they're thinking specifically of launching a jewelry brand or a product-based brand. It's really, like you said, connecting to those trade shows and getting those resources so that you can find manufacturers and source your material. But I also think that like marketing is such an understated thing. And, um, you know, we look at you today and we see this success, but I'm sure that there is a 
a lot of like grunt work and that straight up goes into the marketing process of launching a brand new product. Can you talk me through some of your marketing uh, tips or hacks or things that you've done um, as you've been rising year after year after year in your business? Yeah. So I think like when I first started out, I remember I took out an ad, those two things I did. I mean, you learned so much um, is I spent $3,000 and took out an ad in the back of Parents Magazine that was like the size of like a matchbook. It was so small. I paid full price. Did mm. not that no one pays full price. And I thought my business was going to take off the next day. Um, that failed. Um, the other thing I did do, and then I took it out and added Us Weekly. And I actually reached out to another brand. And I'm like, how about I say as seen in and you pay half of the ad? Um, and they were like, sure, we'll do that. So I thought that was a good way to like collaborate with the other brand. Yeah. Uh, save some money. But again, it didn't move the needle. I think now even more so is realizing that there is no magic wand, that it really is a recipe. And that's something we still say today. We're like, okay, are we spending money on digital? And now we're going to start doing in, in-person events again. And then we're also going to be doing, you know, email marketing. And now we got to do, you know, SMS and show that it really is. I actually talked to the CEO of uh, Pure Vida um, bracelets said you got to look at it like it's a meatloaf you know and that it's not just one thing um and it's true because you have to do it all there's so many touch points now with the consumer um and you have to kind of do it all and i thought i mean i I have spent i would say on digital marketing i spent an obscene amount of money on digital marketing firms. Um, and I never knew what I was doing, so I could never really monitor what they were doing. Um, and that's a cautionary tale because every time we didn't meet the, our numbers, they'd say, you have to spend more money in ads. And on top of their monthly fee, which was $5,000 a month and the thousands of Facebook ads, um, it was insane. And mm-hmm. I finally pulled the plug, but I really should have, I need to, I should have spent the time to understand what digital marketing is before you start spending money in it um, because you have to monitor all these agencies. Oh, that is, I'm so glad you said two important things. The first one was about nobody pays full price for those uh, spotlights. Can you, can you give us some insight as to why people don't typically pay full price to be in those magazines? <laughs> no, but after I was in one, I kept getting emails like every week that it was half price, half price, and it was <laughs> even lower. And I'm like, oh my God, I spent full price. And they were, and I mean, obviously poor magazines. I, I'm still a magazine lover, um, but they obviously are suffering. So uh, yeah, there's, you should always negotiate, I realize now. Yes, yes. And, and influencers, you know, like we're very, you know, we rarely pay to play, I think is the term people use, um, because it's just not in our budget. I mean, we're still really small. We're not Tiffany's, you know? And um, for me, it's like, I want you to wear us because you really love us. And I would rather work with smaller influencers or moms that are just happy to maybe get a free product that really love us and will organically and authentically share about us. Yes. Beautiful. What role has social media played in your, in your rise to success? You talked about digital marketing and you talked about um, magazine placement and that digital marketing piece was another nugget that I wanted to touch on because, you know, you went into the numbers with that. And if you just outsource, your point was, if I, if I heard you correctly, is that if you just outsource your digital marketing to someone and you don't know 
what you don't know. So you can't lead them. You can't effectively engage in a conversation. You can't monitor how your funds are being spent. You can be taken advantage of and you won't be able to effectively lead your business. So learning the the tips and tricks to digital marketing, even if you're going to outsource it, I think is golden. And it has totally helped me and been a game changer in my life as well. So thank you so much for highlighting that point for our listeners. But I'd, I'm also curious about social media too, um, outside of paid ads. What role has kind of organic social media marketing played in your business? Um, it's been huge. I mean, obviously we're very Instagram heavy and now, um, you know, we're really trying to use like doing Instagram lives and really try to be like meet our moms and our community where they are. So like we're doing like a water safety webinar um, next week and we're doing it with the Phelps Foundation and Nicole Phelps will be on there and talking about water safety. Um, so we're really trying to like use social media as more education also for the things that our community cares about. Um, like we just did one on a, an IG live this afternoon on with a sleep expert. Um, so not, not just using social media to be like, oh, look at how like our pretty pictures, but also as a way to connect and share the information that and create the content that we think they care about. Um, but it's been awesome. I mean, I feel like this is what the weird world is. I feel like I know some of these moms and we've never even met, but like, I know their handles and we DM and, you know, and I'm pretty open and honest. Like, you know, we lost another member of my family from addiction, from alcohol addiction. My mom passed away from alcoholism, you know, and I was sharing, you know, I wasn't kind of going that open. Uh, and I, that's another part of, I'm getting ready to share that because I cannot believe how many people it affects. Um, and I started DMing with this woman who was talking about her dad being an alcoholic. And I was like, I hear you. Like it is like a tornado and there is so much of it. And how do we one deal with it as human beings and in, in the relationships, but to make sure our children don't get exposed to this. Um, so yeah, so I, social media has been a way for me to connect, um, truly organically, emotionally with our customers and our community. And I love it, you know, um, and I love all the pretty pictures, obviously. And I open, I always want to make sure, like, I'm very, I'm on stories every day. But, like, for me, as, you know, I'm, I turned 50 this year, is I don't want all these young moms to think that this is what motherhood is, that it's these beautiful gender reveal parties and these beautiful baby showers and nurseries. So, like, I am hoping that I try to keep it real and that, you know, when I had my kids, there was none of that. I mean, I threw up a tea in my son's room and made it his nursery. That was it. I opened a Pottery Barn catalog and said, I can't afford that. And that yeah. was it. I don't, I want these moms to know, like, preparing for motherhood is not an outside job. It's an inside job. Making mm -hmm. sure your relationships with your mother, your in-laws, your husband, your partner, your family is solid and secure. That's so much more important to me that those mo young moms know that, um, that their village is tight, then making sure their gender reveal is Instagrammable. Um, mm. So that's what our part of our real mission is also, is remembering, you know, our tagline is celebrating a mother's most precious gift. And we think the best way to show up and be the best mom is that your heart is good, you know, and your relationships are good. Um, not that everything outside you is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Melissa. You have given us and um, the listeners and even myself so many great tips and you've shared your heart with us. And I'm just wondering, before we kind of get to our closing questions, are there any other important things that you would like the listeners to know about creating a product-based brand, such as a jewelry brand from scratch that you've learned as an expert now in this space? 
Yeah, I think that it's okay to start small. You know, we've never raised money. Um, and, and I guess even to stay small, at least for us, um, that everyone's journey is different. And typically the ones you read about in the magazines are the, you know, the really the ones that have skyrocketed. But, you know, for us, not raising money has afforded us a little bit of, um, I guess I could feel like I could sleep at night. I just felt that if I had raised money, I would have a really hard time and I didn't want that pressure. Um, and then it was okay to start small and organically grow the business and figure things out along the way. And that's part of the journey and to enjoy the journey and that it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, mm. If you could look back and give your 10-year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I think to dream bigger and, and to be more bold because I think I was so... Like I didn't go to like, you know, design school. I wasn't like, you know, professionally trained as a jewelry designer um, that I had a right to be in that business. So to kind of tell myself that it's okay and that you have a seat at the table, even though you didn't go to like professional jewelry design school. Mm, that is super helpful, Melissa. And I'm also glad that you dropped the jewelry design schools here just in case people were looking. Because again, I'm so floored. I did not know that earlier. But like, you can also study this if you wanted to. So that's amazing. You're self-taught. And we also have some resources for folks. Melissa, so helpful. So blessed to have you. How can our audience find and support you? Sure. Um, my The website is tinytags.com and our Instagram is tinytags. Um, and then my email is melissa at tinytags.com. I'm always open to chat. If people have questions. Um, I love paying it forward. And um, it was ironic. I, I had a woman come to my house to give me a quote on something and we started chit-chatting. And I'm meeting her tomorrow for coffee. And the same day, someone I had reached out to got back to me. And I was like, oh, wow, it's all coming 360. So um, I'm always open to talking with people. Beautiful. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much. It has been wonderful. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to lifestyleandsuccesswithdrs.com. 